We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're back on the Yin's No Ball podcast here to break down. This is our second parter of the breakdown of the Steelers victory over the Green Bay Packers. If you didn't listen to yesterday's, Brad and I talked uh, pretty extensively about the offensive side of the ball. We talked about the run game, what's changed for Pittsburgh, why it's so improved. Lots of good numbers and stats to help you understand just how much has actually changed instead of the players are playing better. Broderick Jones is in there now, and that's made all the difference. It's made some difference. It also, the scheme has just dramatically changed since the beginning of the season. It's expanded. There's way more to it. They're asking their players to do way more. They're helping their blockers way more. They're not asking to block every uh, variable in the box, basically, at all times. They're running from lighter personnel grouping. So, yeah, all of it contributes. We broke it down and went into all of this in yesterday's podcast. We talked about Jalen Warren's insane season that he's having, just how special it actually is. I don't think people quite realize that maybe as much as uh, they, they should in the national scheme. Uh, picture and then uh we also talked pretty at length about uh kenny pickett and the struggles there that have continued and gotten worse and broderick jones and how he actually did compared to his pff grade and all of that so now we're on the defensive side of the ball brad today and we we flipped the script and i think the question on everyone's mind is keanu benton how did he not grade out better for pff he looked like he had an unbelievable game to people watching live what were your thoughts as you went back through the tape, watched Benton, saw how he performed, and then compared it to, by the way, PFF's grade for him was a 46.6 overall, one of the lowest on the team, 30.6 run defense. Uh, tackling grade was good. He had a 65 pass rush grade, two pressures, so that was decent. And then he did drop into coverage? No, no, he didn't. Okay, I, there's a coverage grade here. I don't know. But anyway, thoughts on Benton's. We don't have to do this every time, by the way. Do these PFF grades. Yeah. I know a lot of people tweeted it. No, no, no. I actually kind of love it. I think, you yeah, know, to good. a degree, like, you know, again, I'm not going to, like, we're not going to sit here and nitpick the whole thing, and that's not going to be the show. Um, But I do think it's fun sometimes to kind of dive in. And again, uh, much like yesterday, I actually have no issue with this grade, and I am more than comfortable, as I've done on this show before, not saying that. Um, he got blown off the ball like a half dozen times in this game. So only one of the – he has six negatively graded run run defense plays. An interesting note in particular, five of them were when he was a zero or one tech. And so maybe he is more comfortable you know, playing at the three tech spot. Obviously, he's playing more uh, on the inside with some injuries to guys across the interior. Um, and maybe it's something to note. But I'll just give you a couple timestamps again for folks to go look at it. First quarter, eight minutes and 10 seconds to go. Uh, second quarter, 14 minutes and seven seconds to go. Uh, second quarter, seven minutes to go. And then there's one more that I wrote down, uh, which was fourth quarter with three minutes and 40 seconds to go. I mean, he got displaced and taken for a ride for 10 yards on all four of those plays. So there were some positives. And I think as a pass rusher, like you're still seeing growth on a week to week basis and like technique and, and, and more. I think more of a cohesive plan on a play to play basis too. like, instead of just using his, his brute ability, we've talked about it, but also having, having good hand usage and different things like that. But I also have noticed him like attacking a certain angle, but, you know, reacting to a play quicker, um, you know, like, you know, like minding his gap, but also like at a certain point, I think now being like, okay, I can freelance a little bit and do what I think is right a little bit. Um, but yeah, as a run defender, I, I have no issue with this grade after watching the, uh, the film. Yeah, I could see it for sure. I could see where some of the negatives come into play with him and this tape. I do think there's a decent amount of these plays where he's got his gap one 
and he's trying to back out of his gap to come around the other side to make a to make a tackle away from his gap. And I think sometimes that gets misunderstood. Yeah, you back up to do that sometimes when the play is away from your gap to try and make a play in another gap. And sometimes in the process, guys pushing against you, you get knocked back a step or two, and you try to work your kind of loop your way around that blocker to get in on the tackle eventually, you know, because your gap was occupied or your gap's not being run to. That happened a couple of times with him, and I wonder, hmm, I wonder if this is being articulate, like somebody's seeing this as a loss here. But there were enough losses to double teams. That, yeah, I don't know if it maybe you're being I don't know like I don't know if it was that severe but like it definitely was a couple plays like against double teams where he did get knocked a couple yards off the ball and had to kind of like refine his footing there's one I don't know the timestamps uh but that was good receipt taking there but um I don't there was one where he gets kind of like spun around actually and that was probably the worst rep that I saw like we actually got back to the ball at some point and so there's definitely some issues where he got caught with high pad level and wasn't quite ready for some of the doubles. Very interesting note that all this happened to nose tackle. I did notice that when I was watching live. I didn't realize how many of the of the negatively graded ones happened at nose tackle. Um, so that is interesting to consider. The Steelers would love for him to be able to play all those defensive line spots. I think that is probably one of the things that will be closely watched moving forward is if he can do that. The double team seemed to be the thing that gave him issues. Single blocks, he didn't seem to have any issues to me um, in my assessment of the tape. I am in, like, in the beginning of the fourth quarter right now, so that last one you read, I have not seen that one yet. But it seemed like it was almost exclusively double teams that gave him issues. Not unusual. Uh, still thought there was a lot of positives in this tape uh, as a run defender and as a uh, pass rusher. Um, definitely tons of flashes. A couple times having to work through multiple bodies. I still think it's a pretty good tape i don't know you you know the grade is up for debate i guess like was to exactly how you quantify that it's not like i have my own grading process numerical grading process but i did think he played pretty decently in this game there were just those those negatively graded plays like you're talking about if there's a couple of those in there they'll they'll drag it down some and so yeah i guess i'm maybe a little bit fonder of his performance in this game but i don't think it's like blows my mind how he got to 46 six overall grade like knowing the way that the grades work at PFF and things like that for sure. Like I, I can understand why that happened. That's the thing. People, you can understand how great happens and still be incredibly excited about like what this player is capable of doing because like some of the plays he made in this game were just like, yeah, there's just not a lot of D tackles who can do this, especially at his size. 110%. So it's funny, actually, the first thing you said on that uh, um, speech was about how like there were some doubles or, or no, sorry where you talk about how he may have realized, okay, my assignment, my gap is, is not where the play is going. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to double back and just like spin out of this and make a play. I didn't mention those two timestamps because I felt the same way. Like I felt like he was trying to kind of just do something different and it didn't look good. And I get why I got a negative grade. Also, I'm probably going to say too much and the graders are probably going to tell me to shut up. But like he only had one minus one. He had six minus a half. So it's like, yeah. and those do add up, but it's it's That's really right. not saying, oh, he was terrible on a bunch of snaps. But, you know, when you have seven, seven negatively graded plays out of 45, it, it is going to get you a bad zero to 100. But now on the flip side, because I mentioned it, let's just dive right back into it. Uh, the pass rush in the first quarter with 450 to go and the pass rush in the second quarter with five minutes yeah. and 10 seconds to go were incredible. Like just swim moves just blew through. I think it was um, the center Josh Myers both times. Maybe one of them was against a guard, but just like upfield in a hurry, got to the guy's shoulder and just blew past him. And like you said, just not stuff you see from people his size very often. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. And like the 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 pass rush moves that he has is supposed to how strong and sudden his hands are. I always think suddenness and on just in trench play in general, how quickly you can make one movement, even if it's just moving your hands. I think it's so underrated as tr- part of trench play. Like I just think it's critical how sudden you are in all your movements. He's just so explosive. Like his hands are just so deadly. He grabs a guy and like he boom, he's put he pushes him or he pulls him, and they're going another direction. Just how much force he has. Um, and he's not even like this unbelievably twitchy player off the ball or anything. Like that's the the part that can probably still improve for him is like he isn't like always like just threatening guys right away off the ball like a Donald or even a Kalaja Kansi in Tampa Bay. You know, who I'm just tweeting about both of them today. Like he's not even like that. It's just that everything after the snap is just so sudden and so quick that he does. And the ability for him to drop his pads as a guy who's like this big and he's kind of upright at times. But like when he drops his pads to corner that. The, the rush where Love ended up 
uh, throwing what should have been an interception. KZ had to go off his face, I think. Um, that that was the play that I was like, man, like he just push, pull, swim on Josh Myers. And then all of a sudden, Myers kind of gets on his hip and is trying to ride him up the the arc past Love. And he just bends right around Myers and hits Love. It's just one of those plays where I'm just like, man, I just think the the upside there it seems like it, it's literally could be special for Ben. He's been that good, I think. I think the thing, too, you just touched on, obviously some elements of athleticism are not, like, coachable, teachable, but you mentioned the twitchiness. Like, I think a full offseason of, you know, body recomposition, maybe you cut 5, 10 pounds and, you know, put on good weight and remove some bad weight. Because, again, this guy is a player that is relatively new to football compared to the average, uh, you know, NFL rookie. Not saying he's in bad shape or anything and isn't already a good athlete, but, like, I think you can see where that would improve and you see a second year, I won't even say breakout because I think he's already kind of broken out, but like a second year leap to where there's just, he's even more, I mean, Twitchy is the perfect word. Like he right now is heavy handed. I think when he knows what he wants to do and has a plan of attack, he, when he gets ahead of steam going a direction, like you just pointed out, like you're not bumping him off that path. Like, like if anything, he, he, he drove two offensive linemen into Jordan Love's lap on another, another snap as well on the uh, the tip pass like he he pushed the center and the card like four yards back and then got the tip pass so yeah like I think he's gonna get better um as, as time goes on as well yeah for sure one of the best plays of the game that he made was the screen uh down near the in the red area for the Packers they're going to run a screen out to the right with Aaron Jones and Landon Roberts actually who I also want to talk about today because he was unbelievable in this game um he makes a great play gets out there in the in the flat kind of cuts underneath the blocker to grab like Jones around the ankle, slows Jones down. Jones has to kind of ward him off. It's like only a glancing blow, but it makes Jones basically like spin all the way around, totally slows him down. It's green grass in front of him if Roberts isn't out there. There's blockers, there's nothing. Like it's going to score a touchdown. And, uh, and then Roberts' ability to slow him down. Benton, who was on the pass rush, hustles over at top speed and tra- and tackles Jones as he's coming out of that spin and starting to look upfield. Benton comes over and just crushes him. And it was, to me, like that was one of the most important plays of the game. Roberts obviously made it possible. Roberts had to try and tackle him through a blocker, basically. So for Roberts, it was like one of those, you're basically trying to get a piece of him and hope to trip him up. But more than anything, you're just hoping you can slow him down enough for your guys to get there. He did everything he could. And then Benton finished off one of the biggest plays of the game. I felt like, and it just speaks to Benton's conditioning has been outstanding as his snap counts have increased. There's been no drop off on the tape and also his effort. He just fits so easily. And yeah, game already sets that example every single game. Like he's probably the most uh, uh, aggressive and nonstop motor of any defensive tackle we've maybe ever scouted. Um, we, we've maybe ever seen in the NFL, just how many plays over the years Steelers fans know, like how many plays he has made way down the field. Like there's just unreal effort for a defensive tackle to be shown. And the guys that do tend to model after that in Pittsburgh, uh, Ogan Joby, we saw punch out a ball in a game earlier this season, a hostile play and Benton just bought right into that. He plays as hard as he possibly can on every single snap, which I think bodes really well for his future also. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You. It was the last, uh, and I'll stop naming timestamps because I guess people don't even like, you know, NFL Game Pass these days It probably isn't even helpful information. But that was the last play I was going to say. <laughs> it's third quarter, 10 minutes to go. The exact play you're talking about. And that is where I was going to say, like, I think 
early on, especially in an organization like this, like I'm sure guys, you know, Joey Porter Jr. and him and, and Herbig are probably like, all right, do my assignment, do my job. Don't make a mistake. Don't be out of position. That's how I'm going to earn snaps, et cetera, et cetera. And I think Benton, first of all, he wins his pass rush rep on that play, but then re- and realizes the ball is out and immediately pivots. And like you said, Roberts obviously kind of teed him up and, and slowed him down. But if Ben doesn't run over and make that tackle, I think he scores a touchdown. If not, he's out by, I don't know, the one-yard line. Um, but, yeah, it's like that to me was where he's like, okay, like now he's comfortable letting his instincts take over and just reacting to the football play as opposed to just being like, do what you were assigned to do. Like, don't do anything else. I think it showed up on that snap in particular. Yeah, there's just a lot of encouraging stuff. I mean, I think that this is a player who's going to be a part of the solution long-term for sure. I did want to talk about Roberts. He actually also got poor BFF grades. We don't have to get into the BFF grade part of it. Part of it's the covered stuff. Like, yeah, he's not going to be great in coverage like he did. He actually, it was really funny, the play where Aaron Jones comes out of the backfield and he like gets over there too late. I think he was, I might have my plays mixed up, but I think he was like mugging a gap. And then he had to get out of there and then pick up Jones, get into the flat. And was it a wheel? Maybe the Jones was on. Anyway, I just know that he was, he was kind of late getting out there or just frankly, wasn't fast enough to get out there in time to be able to catch Jones in space. And, but he got there and just out of sheer heart and hustle, he knocked Jones down. He grabbed his ankles and Jones could have scored maybe on this play. And he, he grabbed his ankle, tripped him up. And Jones like lands out of bounds and like claps the ball. Like he can't believe that happened. And he like points at Roberts. He's like, like he like game respecting game type of thing. It was a pretty funny moment from Jones who didn't really seem that interested in whether the team won or lost, in my opinion, for Green Bay. Like he seemed like he's pretty checked out. Um, but he just pointed at Roberts and you could see like from the one all 22 view, he was like smiling, like looking at Roberts. Like he couldn't believe he got caught. Roberts, yeah, I mean, there's limitations there as a coverage guy, I'm not really sure about the run defense part of it for y'all, but like, I just thought like in this game, man, he was like so many times he was flying into the box hitting. I mean, the first play of the game, they send a puller over there. He knocks the puller back into the back, makes the tackle for loss with one arm. The guy is just a beast, like around the box, like so many plays like that. And even in coverage, like he has his limitations, but like he even made some plays there. Like he plays every snap as hard as he possibly can. When he, when they third down, and Musgrave had kind of gotten inside position on Keanu Neal, makes the catch. It would have been a catch at, at right near the marker. And look, Neal comes over his back and is trying to keep him from getting to the marker. And there's a chance if Musgrave is able to turn up field that he picks up that first down on third down. He's right near the marker, and that he that he get, that he uh, that's on the right area as well. That he allows the Packers to continue that drive to potentially score a touchdown instead. Neil is grabbing him, kind of hanging on his back, and that's what you're kind of seeing if Musgrave can turn up field. And Roberts comes over, pops him right in the chest, ball comes out, and obviously he didn't have it long enough to control it, so it was an incomplete pass. Even if that had been completed, the Packers may go for it on fourth and inches there, um, and instead it ends up being a field goal, and it was a huge play in the game that he forced that incompletion because Packers were in like fourth and six, fourth and seven then, and they didn't consider going for it. Just kicked the field goal, and obviously the Steelers win by four. So he just made so many plays in this game that were absolutely instrumental to the result, even though not every play is going to be perfect with him. Those are his two uh, his two plus ones, and we're, we're done talking grades. But, yeah, no, those were – the first play of the game was incredible. He just threw John Runyon. He also knew exactly what – like, diagnosed the play immediately, had a full head of steam into the into the, the pulling guard, uh, who was John Runyon, who he just tossed. And like mm-hmm. you said, just with his left arm, just reaches out and just trips up Aaron Jones. Um, and then the coverage play on, on Musgrave down the red zone, uh, which, I mean, yeah, it was basically not outcome determinative, but what, made it 19-17 at that point instead mm-hmm. of what could have been a touchdown. So, yeah, no, I mean, what you ask of him to do and want him to do, I think he's phenomenal at. The coverage stuff, oh, yeah, the coverage stuff kind of drags him down or us thinking he probably should have been able to make some some run defense play uh, that maybe is asking too much of him. But I think this defense right now at the second level like has benefited a great deal from that physicality. And that the other guy, obviously, we don't have Holcomb anymore, and we both thought he was playing good football, but like – Having that guy that is a thumper, I, I think, enable other guys around him. A lot of these hybrid safety linebacker types they have now, too. Like, I think it frees them up, um, you know, to do what they do as well. And, and like, we're not that's not going to go into a grade. But I mm-hmm. think Alana Roberts really does make a lot of other players' jobs easier, particularly on early downs. And with Quan Alexander and Cole Holcomb out for the season now, it's going to turn a lot to to Robertson to be more of a every down guy. 
Uh, I think he played all but one, no, all but three snaps in this game, I want to say. Yeah, I think all but three snaps. Um, it's going to turn him to be more of an every down guy. And honestly, Mark Robinson as well. Like this is, he was quietly pretty good in this game for Pittsburgh. He didn't have to do anything crazy uh, for them to be successful like Roberts did, but he was pretty good at doing his job. He made two tackles out in space where he read it and the back tried to bounce and he was able to make the tackle for a short gain. Um, so I thought he was really solid in this game. He's another one that plays every snap as if it's his last, like that you t- for physicality and effort are not going to wane with the guys that are out there. It'll just be stuff like, do they have guys that can run? Do they have guys that can play in space that can cover, that can make plays in that capacity? I think they're going to get exposed to some degree in that way. If this thing continues, Michael Walker comes up from you know, Atlanta. He's in the practice squad. He's going to be up. I'm sure it sounds like they're not looking outside the organization, a linebacker. Walker has basically just been a coverage guy, and maybe we can yep. talk about him for a second because I, I think, Brad, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, do you think he's going to be the guy that mostly plays now given the Steelers linebacker situation if they don't hire anybody outside the organization? Because of what you just said, to a degree, yeah. I mean, that that is his role. He he is like a roaming will that that, that you want covering th- number three receivers, tight ends, backers, what, what have you. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, maybe they still are going to let Mark Robinson and Alana Roberts play through. I also thought Robinson played well. Uh, no question about it. I don't know what his grade is, but I, I think it's probably decent. It was um, good. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I don't think he made any Yeah, like a 60 like, or 70, gotcha. yeah. Yeah, I feel like he just made kind of fewer, had fewer misses. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I thought Walker was an interesting cut when he got released. I mean, the Falcons do have depth at linebacker now, mm-hmm. um, which is funny to say because a couple of years ago they had like no one, nobody on the roster. But, uh, but yeah, I, he's good at, at that specific skill, and, and they clearly need it at, at this point. And there was also some plays, like for example, in this game, uh, I mentioned that Roberts played sixty-five of sixty-eight snaps. Robinson played forty-one. And Quan played nine. So there's a decent amount of snaps in this game where they're playing six, seven defensive backs. Uh, Elijah Riley picked up some of those snaps in the box. They're playing with a single linebacker. Um, he picked up some of those uh, those reps. Had 21 snaps in this game. I don't believe, I'm trying to think of what, yeah, going into this game, he had 10 snaps on the season defensively against Cleveland. So he's barely played this year. He had 20 all of last year. So had more snaps in this one game than he had all of the year before. Um, so I thought he actually did some really good things. I know he graded out well for you guys too, but you know, he did allow the one, I guess, I don't know, you yeah, the one catch down the seam to to Musgrave, which looked like uh like an inverted Tampa two coverage to me, like live. I didn't have a chance to really look at the diagrams of it and everything, but it looked like that to me live. And he basically just didn't carry the seam fast enough or it looked like there was maybe a little bit of miscommunication on what he was supposed to be doing. I don't think he was that sure of what he should be doing. He did earlier in the game when he was in as a linebacker carry the seam against Musgrave in the end zone. And I think Love tried to throw back shoulder for him, I'm trying to remember. And Riley, actually, it was a bad throw. But Riley got his head got in phase, like kind of hip to hip with Musgrave, and then got his head around to where we would have found the football. I think he actually would have made a play on that ball had it been on target. So some good things from Riley in this game that I thought could carry over. He also made a great tackle. I think it ended up being an incomplete pass on the, the trick play where they tried to throw back to Jones um, it was the one play live during the game. I missed, I think I was getting some for one of my kids or something. And so I was watching on the tape. I was like, man, I missed one of the weirdest plays of the game. Um, and I think he actually had, but he dove kind of like over a couple bodies to like tackle Jones as Jones was trying to recover what Jones thought was a fumble, but actually I think it ended up being an incomplete pass. And so, yeah, he, he was the aggressiveness. It's all there for Riley. He's not very big. He's not very fast. This the whole defense but speed is going to be a massive concern on the back seven, Brad, because they weren't fast before. Now they lost Holcomb and Quan, who were two of the faster players that they could have had. It is like unbelievable how slow the back end of this defense is going to be other than Joey Porter. And when Minkett comes back, it will help. But other than that, it is athleticism is just really lacking in this group. Yeah. The, uh, the you're talking about the scene ball to, um, uh, Musgrave was the it's weird. Riley and Roberts are both playing like leverage to the to the field side, so they're both like trying to push. Right. And I mean, Riley's in a single high alignment, so I'm not really sure. Like we expect him to get outside of Musgrave. Roberts does move pre snap across the line of scrimmage, so clearly it's like my responsibility is Musgrave. Um, but just yeah, stays inside of him, and Love just puts it to his outside shoulder, and it's kind of like an easy completion. But um, I thought Riley was solid for sure. You mentioned Minka, 
Have you seen the clip where, what was it, like the last play of the game or one of the last plays of the game where he's screaming at Terrell Austin to change the play? They call a timeout, and I'm guessing change the play, uh, and then pick the, the ball off. So I think he's doing everything, man. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a little bit of it. It didn't, I didn't, I don't know. I What I saw, maybe I didn't see the whole thing. I, I didn't think he was screaming. I, he was like speaking passionately, but I didn't even know that it was clear. Maybe I'm just trying to like get the benefit of the doubt. I didn't even know if it was clear that he was like disagreeing with someone. So I'm not really sure. I saw some of the reporting on it or I don't know, people conjecture on it. I don't know. Is there a longer clip? Like, was he actually screaming? I didn't see any screaming. Like, I got Fair point. I saw the tweets calling it screaming. The clip I saw, he was talking. I, did too, yeah. I would say you could tell. I thought you could tell he like didn't agree, but it definitely okay. was not like an elevated volume. To, yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe I need to find the whole clip. Maybe I just saw part of it. I just thought he was speaking passionately. I don't know. I, well, yeah. I, hopefully it would be cool to be able to know. I don't know if we will on what happened there, but that is interesting. I, it's such a, yeah. It, I, how many different coverages could you call there? <laughs> you just have to yeah. Yeah. the goal line. <laughs> yeah. I just don't know. What else you'd be calling? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's very unusual for sure. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I guess maybe maybe something will come of that if Austin gets to speak. But yeah, I getting Minka back will help if that happens this week. Um, the defensive line is still very good and very deep, probably as good and as deep as it's been, honestly. Um, so I think that you know bodes pretty well for them the rest of the season. I just I definitely worry that like certain teams that can spread the field and throw all over you. Like the Packers want to be one of those teams, but they just are not that team. Like they're just not good enough. They're not consistent enough. Um, I did think it was funny in this game, Brad, like we talked about how Jordan Love and Kenny Pickett were kind of like similar in their profile this season, not necessarily in traits, or, but like in how they'd performed this season, like both taking very few chances, very few turnover worthy plays, very few big time throws, rarely elevating their team, hardly ever killing their team and being like the sole reason their team loses but also not being accurate enough. So we talked about ball placement with both of them, and that's a big issue. In this game, Kenny Pickett was pretty much exactly who he thought who he talked about him being, if not worse. Kind of like all the things that we talked about him being, he was just exactly that. Jordan Love went completely the opposite direction, had way more big time throws, had way more turnover worthy plays. Like I don't know how many you guys credited him with, but he had the two interceptions. I don't think the first one. Eh, Pat P tipped it. I don't know how you guys. That first one one we three. didn't give him a full turnover worthy yeah. play. A second one obviously was. Second one obviously <laughs> was, yeah. And then yeah. he had uh, KZ dropped an interception uh, on the hit by Benton uh, in the first drive. I think it was the Packers ended up scoring. That went off his face, I believe. K- went through his hands and off his face, I think, for KZ in that one. I don't know if that one got counted. And then he put a couple others in harm's way. Like pretty, I wouldn't say they were turnover worthy plays maybe, but pretty tricky situations um, throughout the game. Like I thought we're he could have been in some trouble too, like some pretty bad throws. And then he had also some of the best throws of – his NFL career in this game. Like he really did. He had some great throws in this game. So he was kind of more of the prospect that we thought he would be coming out all over the map in this game, high highs, low lows. Most of this season, it's been very low highs and very few lows, like real lows. Um, So this was, it was funny how they just went in opposite directions of the way that we talked about them uh, before the game. Yeah. And he in particular had been like incapable of completing downfield. He would some like, it was like five of 30 on like throws 20 plus yards downfield, bunch of interceptions, bunch of just like clearly inaccurate misses where guys actually did have separation. Um, but yeah, his first touchdown pass in the first quarter was a beauty. Um, he had a bunch of really nice throws in this game, both completed and not. Um, and also not just like there were two I mean, on the final drive that we give, gave big time throws to, but there was also one in each quarter before that. Um, so it was kind of, you know, spread out throughout the entire game The the bomb to Jaden Reed was a nice ball. Yeah, it was a big game for him, you know, and this, you know, Steelers secondary obviously is not a great unit, but we've talked a ton about his ability in a clean pocket has been solid in a dirty pocket has been really, really bad. And some of those throw, I think four of the five were probably from a clean pocket, but like he, I thought he operated well, didn't bail as often from the clean stuff. Didn't have the happy feet that we talked about in the preview. I feel like everything I said about him did not show up in this game. <laughs> um, you know, which uh, credit credit to him, I suppose. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Uh, just seeing the matchup between the two of them, he was kind of like, Oh man, well, he's, he's kind of hurting his team sometimes, but he's actually like, you could see like at least what it could look like if he could, you know, cut out some of those mistakes. I don't, I'm not reinventing the wheel on him. I don't think he's good. I've never really been a believer, but this was definitely a game that if you were a believer, you can kind of hang your hat on and be like, Oh, there's still something in there. So, um, you know, we'll save that for the Packer podcasters. Um, but yeah, I did think 
Pittsburgh secondary, they weren't good, but it wasn't their worst performance either. I mean, definitely helped by the fact that Watson and some of these other guys are, are not playing very good football for the Packers wide receiver. I think that's definitely a contributing factor. Um, you know, I thought Casey actually did make some plays in coverage in this game. You know, he wasn't perfect. Obviously he gave up, I think you guys 57 yards in coverage in this game. Um, but he actually made some plays like he actually was around the ball. He had a pass break up. He had an interception. And so there were some good moments in this game for him. Neil just can't run like the touchdown that he and Levi Wallace gave up. is just so inexcusable. Like that is just ridiculous. Neither are fooled. Wallace even opens his hips early so he can run with the guy. I don't know if Wallace is just really this unathletic or if it just looks like he plays with no urgency all the time, but he's just like jogging to get in position on this touchdown. It was the touchdown of Jaden Reed on the over route. And Neil is just like, he is late to flip his hips and then he just can't move. Like both guys are in position the whole time. It's like Jaden Reed is not that fast. Like this is just like crazy. I know he's making (laughs) plays out of the field this year. Hats off to the guy, but this was just really bad. I mean, you won't find many more plays this year in the league where you're just like, yeah, these two guys just, aren't NFL athletes at the position, like period, like end of story. Um, and so I do think that is kind of a, a part of the picture with the Steelers secondaries. Yeah, it's good. But if we're projecting forward, like there were moments in this game where it looked good. Pat P definitely played his best game as a Steeler. But if we're projecting forward, like the biggest issue with these guys is just like Neil and Peterson to me, their biggest issues is they just can't run and move like NFL players should at their positions. And I just think that's going to end up being a problem over and over again this season, even if for one game, well, Neil wasn't good. Peterson was better. Like they were able to kind of escape with those limitations. Yeah. I mean, against uh, the Bengals offense in its current state, especially if they get T Higgins back, like it's going to be a problem. Um, You know, although their offensive line is still kind of a thorn in their side, which could, uh, you know, obviously swing that outcome as it does often in Pittsburgh games. But yeah, I mean, if Jordan loves doing this, it doesn't exactly bode well uh, going forward. Yeah, I don't know what's going to – You know, th- th- in this game, actually, um, Trenton Thompson got some snaps late in the game um, and when they were – you know, the Packers were, you know, pass every down type of situation. Um, I am curious to see what happens with their safety room in general. I mean, Minka coming back probably means nothing will really change. You'll go back to seeing Minka and KZ, and KZ's played a little bit better maybe. Like, he's not been like a total liability at least. Um, you know, he's definitely seems to have upped the intensity and the communication – uh, there was one play where they blew the coverage uh, in this game, and I'm actually not even sure who blew the coverage because it's really impossible to say. They nobody nobody released with the receiver. There was like two receivers. To, it was two by two, I believe, and two receivers to the right. Nobody released with the inside receiver, and uh, KZ's back as a deep safety and Porter's outside corner. And it was just like guy just turned around, and made a catch for 20 yards. It was easy, and KZ after the play is like screaming at everybody, like "What are we doing?" Like you could just see him like passionately, like pleading his case and Landon Roberts comes over and is like calming him down, kind of trying to figure out what happened. But uh, he he is playing with that fire intensity, trying to replace some of what Mika brings uh, to the table out there on the field. But yeah, there's no doubt this is just a really limited secondary and we got to continue to reflect on the play of Joey Porter Jr. Who uh, two catches a lot in this game for nine yards on four targets. He did have the one penalty. thought it was a good call. Um, but he had so many good plays in this game. He even played seven snaps from the slot. Uh, one play on a slot fade with Romeo Dubs. He just mirrors the release beautifully. Dubs a decent release guy. Mirrors the release beautifully. Kind of gets that stab in there with his um, with the proper and appropriate arm. Uh, you know, you're turning to the outside. The inside arm is the one you want to stab with. Allows you to open your hips smoothly. He does that. And is able to kind of just totally eliminate him down the field, just to keep from getting stacked and just take that route off the table, basically. And Love has to go somewhere else with the ball. You're just seeing really high end stuff from Joey Porter Jr. And he could always have one of these penalty nightmare games for sure. And I'll be curious to see what happens when he gets matched up against somebody smaller and twitchier. Um, I, I really am excited to see how it goes with him and Jamar Chase if that's the matchup. Uh, there's, you know, obviously the Browns game, you know, how he goes with him and. Amari Cooper, you know, that I think those are going to be huge tests for him. Like those types of players will be big, big challenges, but he has continued to be the bright spot. We say this almost every week about almost every rookie on this team. They have continued to be the bright spots. They've continued to be signs that this roster, despite the limitations and the concerns, is a group moving in the right direction. And it's hard not to be pretty excited about Joey Porter Jr. too, given how he's looked so far. And I don't even think he knows totally what he's doing technically yet, Brad. 100%. And actually, it goes to like my favorite play uh, of his, which I don't think you just mentioned, which is the end of the first half 
um, you know, when Jaden Reed comes around and gets a screen pass from Jordan Love, uh, and Joey Porter's up in press on probably Romeo Dobbs. I think it's Dobbs. Uh, and before the ball is even out of Jordan Love's hand, Joey Porter is already getting upfield because he knows where the ball is going. But um, it, it's funny. He like if he if he didn't if that isn't what happened, I think he would have gotten burned for like a decent gain. But Dobbs kind of just like telegraphs what he's doing and that he's blocking and not actually running a route the entire time. Yeah. So you know, I just can't blame him for. It. But like he's flat footed. His feet are like a bit wide. And it was just funny. It was yeah. like, well, we're turning into a phenomenal tackle and a great negative play. Um, but if, if Jordan Love pump fakes it and Dobbs fake blocks and runs, it's like a 40-yard gain. But, yeah, yeah no, it, it was another good game for him for sure. What was even funnier about that is if you look at the play, Dobbs doesn't try to block him. He just releases an outside release like he's running a pattern and Porter just doesn't even look at him. Like, I think because he's rolled up and in press man coverage, like he's in like a press man position, that Dubs just assumes he's going to run with him and then he'll be able to block him once they get down the field, once Porter realizes there was a screen. But instead, Porter just t- is in press position and I think supposed to be covering Dubs, but he just ignores him and he just doesn't look at him. He doesn't even look like, at him. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even look at him. Like he just completely blows by him and makes yeah. the tackle a great hit. Uh, the form is coming along. He still is definitely figuring out when to stick his nose into the box. Like it isn't natural for him to stick his nose into the box yet. Like when he gets around the box, he's kind of like, are these guys going to make the tackle? Okay. I'll just kind of like move to the side here and let them fall over. And like, he's not one of these dudes that's just going to hit everything that moves. I don't think, but if he can be a guy that hits things in the flat, you know, and, and obviously brings down the receiver after the catch, like open space, then I think you're, you're fine. Probably, you know, he, we'll see if he gets tested and run support. He hasn't really been truly like tested that much as a perimeter, like run supporter, like last guy on the outside when he has to crack replace, like nobody's really challenged him in that way so far this season. So those will be interesting challenges when that does come his way, but yeah, just what we've seen so far allowing them to play more man coverage, just allowing them to do a lot of different things because of what he can take off the table. I mean, there's plays in this time where they're playing zone to one side of the field or man are mixing it up and matching. And then he's just man lock on one side of the field because they're just like, yeah, you're that guy now for us. And so they're asking him to wear that hat. He says he's ready for it. He's shown he's ready for it in the games so far. Like he's definitely proved that he's that guy. And we know corner, it can be a volatile position. There's lots of different types of receivers, different types will give you more problems than others. So we have a lot still to learn about him, but just what we're seeing right now, again, defensively talking about the young players on this team, if they can somehow find a way to you know, get some of these – the defensive line, everybody, you know, the depth that they have there, you feel confident in that group being around long-term with Hayward and Benton and Watt and Highsmith, Herbig, you know, all those guys are going to be around for the next couple of years there. Um, and and I think you're, you're basically thinking about, okay, linebacker, we've got Roberts here, we've got Holcomb here. Um, when he comes back from injury, we can kind of maybe fill in the spots there as, as it becomes appropriate. But really, if you're like Minka, Joey Porter Jr., we got to go find another corner. You can usually find slots. We'll see what they do at that position. We got to go find another corner this offseason, maybe two. Um, and we got to find somebody who can play safety next to Minka. It doesn't have to be like a, a world beater. I mean, you get guys, Ronnie McLeod's getting picked up from nowhere, and he's, you know, like he's still a good player. Like just find one of the old guys who's good if you need to, <laughs> like not one of the old guys who's bad. You know, it's it's really not as complicated as they maybe made it, but – um, I do think that, yeah, that's uh, that is a defense moving in the right direction. We're probably a year away from seeing it at its full peak of what it could be if everybody's back and healthy. Yeah. Uh, and the big thing for me with Joey Porter Jr., in terms of like some of the negative snaps he did have the last couple of weeks, is like it hasn't been a blown assignment, busted coverage, like the ETN wheel route touchdown. It's like, yeah, he got beat by like good offense, beat good defense, like the Watson ball over the middle. He was kind of grabby on that one too, and and you know it was a nice nice ball. Christian Watson made a nice catch, but he was right there. He almost broke it up. The one that I thought such a mention technique when he's I wouldn't even call it bail technique because he's not moving at the snap, but he's off coverage and clearly just gives like is just facing you know b- back to the sideline, just giving the inside. Um, it's when was it? It was like end of the first half, so like four minutes to go in the second quarter, uh, and Watson just eats him up, gets right into his his hips. Um, it fakes inside, which is where Porter is giving him the inside the entire time and then bites on it. And then Watson, you know, like crashes out towards the sideline. Like that was like a bad rep, but it was, again, it was just like, not really what he does. I don't think it was good footwork in his back pedal. I don't think he used his leverage well, um, and trusted the leverage he had. 
but it wasn't like he was like out of position or like blew an assignment. It was just like, you know, again, this is a good player uh, in Watson that, that just won the rep. So you mentioned the last piece that I'll tie into like trending in the right direction. We are, but like, can we rotate some bodies on this defensive line, please? Like, can we, can we get my guy, Nick Herbig, like 12 snaps and not how many, how many did he play in this game? Eight, he played four. Uh, four, two, Let's no, see. two. That's that's that can't happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Marcus two, Golden played five. Like, yeah, like and as good as you know, Highsmith and Watt both played well. Um, yeah. but I thought that there were times like hand on hips, like clearly gassed in the second yeah. half of this game, and it's like just give a random third quarter rep to like it. Just it made no sense to me. Right, that's the thing. If you had no other options, which in the past the Steelers have not had other options at edge rusher, I understand that. 60% of Watt is better than whoever your backup is. I just don't think that's true now. Like Herbig has unreal juice off the snap. Like if you put him in a situation where he knows he's teeing off and rushing the passer, it, you're going to reap the benefits of that. Like I just, re- I truly believe in that. I believe in his skill set. You're not even asking him to process or think or anything. You're just asking him to let it rip. Like that's what he does best. That's the only thing you're not worried about him doing right now as a rookie. Like you, I can understand like at some points in the game, but late in the game, the Packers last couple drives. Yeah. I thought that was, inexcusable and and honestly could have lost in the game i think if you know the team was better the fact they just didn't have enough juice for the pass rush i do give credit to high smith second to last play that penultimate play of the game the spin move that he hit um where he was able to kind of get back inside there and, and pressure love into a throwaway almost come up with a sack he definitely had a couple spins in this game that were really impressive um high smith continues to be i think one of the more i don't know, I don't know if underrated is the the right way to say it or not, but I mean, there's definitely continues to be one of the more effective pass rushers in the league, given his limitations. Like he reminds me a lot of a Olivier Vernon type. I don't know if you remember Olivier Vernon that well, but just like just saw it across the board consistent. Like, you know, I just felt like the sack numbers weren't always there, but the pressure numbers always there with Vernon. That's kind of how it is with Highsmith. Like he might not be a 15 sack guy every year or anything like that, but he's going to have decent sack numbers and the pressure is just constantly there. He can play every down. He even makes plays in coverage on a, a breakup in this game. Makes plays in coverage at a pretty startling rate as well. So, yeah, I, I thought that there's good, especially when you consider the fact that yeah, when on plays when when uh, when Jordan Love was kept clean, like he was getting the ball out so fast, like on some of these plays, um, and then in general, like even the plays where he was pressured, it's a lot of schemed up stuff. At that point, the Steelers blitzed 35 percent of the time in this game, so there's a decent amount of that as well. So it wasn't like it was just teeing off all game, but I thought he did a good job. Um, I don't know. any. I, I have thoughts on TJ Watt. What did you think of him in this game? There was some <laughs> criticism out there. Rewatch. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting. I don't think he had any, like, bad reps necessarily. I, you know, I don't know if he made a ton of explosive, play, like, positive plays. He had the one, um, was, like, early in the third quarter. I mean, I, I'm assuming you're, you know, alluding to a little bit of you're just, like, kind of doing the same thing uh, for the most part the entire game, w- which was, I think, as far as I recall, you know, kind of the case here. But he had the winner on the edge, um, yeah, like, early in the third quarter. Could have gotten a, um, you know, Jordan Love got the ball very quickly to the left, but it, it could have been a sack or, or a QB hit. Uh, like, he won in one and a half seconds around the edge. So, but, yeah, I don't know. Nothing really stuck out, I suppose. Just I think it was an overall solid game. Uh, what, what, what do you think? Yeah, I thought he really, like a couple times in the game, he really tried inside moves. And so I was encouraged by the process there. He had an inside spin on the touchdown pass to Dubs at the beginning of the game. And he beat uh, Zach Tom clean uh, and got in. Would it bad a sack if Love had, if Levi Wallace wasn't in existence? And so I think that there's definitely a clear sign that he is thinking through how to rush the passer at a higher level and what some of his options are because of the way he's being played over and over again. And this happened a little bit last year, but I think the injury last year was like, I don't know. I think that's probably the injury. And this year, I think, you know, obviously he's had good success. By the way, PFF gave him eight pressures in this game. Um, And I think some of those came on schemed up stuff, but he was definitely still good in this game. We'll talk about the run defense in a second too, where he was really impressive. Um, But yeah, this was as a pass rusher, like that, kind of side of stuff can work for him. Like there's the spin move. He wins inside, beats Tom later in the game. He tries an arm over and goes inside and he's, I think he's in a good position against Tom. The guard comes over and, and helps him out. So he's occupying two blockers. So he draws the help. It's good stuff. Um, the other later in the game, he tried it. Tom caught him, you know, on one, but overall, like he's trying the right stuff. He's like trying to do more as a pass rusher. I think all those things 
are going to reap benefits like for him in his process. You know, had another sack in this game, obviously. We are talking about somebody who's like a tier one rusher, so it's always weird when we're talking about here's how this guy can improve. And we've talked about that a lot on the show. I think it's just because I actually think he has the ability to be the same level of pass rusher, pure pass rusher, that some of the guys that might get listed above him are like Garrett and Parsons. Maybe. I mean, I, maybe he's in that conversation already, but I think that could could happen if he were able to diversify his game as a rusher. Just hasn't happened yet where he's been that much more versatile. Kind of makes his production even more insane, the fact that he just wins one way. We've talked about that. This game was a sign, even though they didn't move him around at all in this game, he played every snap on the left side. This game was a sign that I feel like he's willing to consider some of those things and is kind of thinking through what needs to change about his game in order to become truly an every-down dominator uh, and obviously getting more breaks would help him out as well. The inside spin is a good shout. Yeah, it's uh, the, the first quarter touchdown pass. He's <laughs> The ball's on the left hash, and he is like outside of the other hash uh, as a wide nine. But I think it does set up – like it sets up those moves. He gets to Zach Tom in two steps, like two lunges, and then immediately um, because of his alignment, there's so much room between Tom and the guard who they were comfortable leaving on an island, frankly, more than I thought. Um, you know, and as much as I do think Watt did get consistent pressure, like you said, I think a handful of those were cleanup pressures or not unblocked pressures, but you know, one-on-ones with no chip help and no kind of guard cheating over. Um, I do think what stuck out was the run game. There was one play where he's backside like eight minutes, like eight minutes to go in the first quarter that I, I jotted down. Um, I think saved a pretty big chunk gain potentially, uh, as much as AJ Dillon can have a chunk gain. Uh, but yeah, no, he, the run defense stuck out to me in this game. Not that he's ever a bad run defender, but, but it was, I think one of the better games I've seen him play in that facet in a while. Yeah. I thought he was unbelievable in the run game as well. Like, and it was almost all backside. It was almost all unblocked stuff, but because they were just never going to like, they basically never ran at him like the whole game. I don't think that was like, they were afraid to run at him or anything. I'm not saying that. I just, that was the way their scheme went. They just didn't hardly run like at his gap assigned gap at all so his amount of plays that he made from the backside chasing guys down inside especially when the some of the doubles were working for the Packers as we mentioned and he was able to kind of get in there loop around and get in there and tackle backs from behind uh, four or five times I mean it was crazy like he made almost every play when the run went away from him it was wild uh, he has been one of the most feared players in that regard for a long time um, it's very hard not to get a hat on him it's hard to get a hat on him and run to him because he's really good in that capacity but it's hard to run away from him because he's just so fast at getting down there and so quick and aggressive to decipher those things, take such good angles to the ball. And he was, he was really killing the Packers. Like they had a couple of times I felt like they could have sprung something a little bigger and he would make the tackle from behind. And it was just really frustrating for them. I think how often that kind of stuff happened. And so I definitely think it was a good TJ walk game. I still am. I'm anxious and excited to kind of see how he continues to do um, as he develops more moves. Um, and as he kind of, can he find a, a speed to counter pass rush plan that consistently works for him? Because if he can do that, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's already 10 and a half sacks on the season. And I think that there's another level of ball that he can play out this season, nine games in right now at this point. So what do we have? Eight, eight left basically. So half of his season remains here. And if we're talking about a guy who can get, you know, he's obviously talked about the record. He's tied it. You know, he wants to break it. Um, you know, if that's in the cards for him, you're going to need a couple games where you get four or five, probably, you know, or three or four or five. And, you know, we'll see if that can happen coming up. The He's had a lot of success against the Bengals before that game's coming up. Uh, obviously had a lot of success against the Browns last time. Although I think Dewan Jones did a pretty good job on him as well. Uh, we'll see if they move him around in that game at all with the issues the Browns have at left tackle um, now with Wills out. And so, yeah, there there'll be some there'll be some matchups for sure where he can take advantage. It'll it'll be interesting if he gets in position where you can start talking about him chasing that thing again because it's slowed down a little bit. But uh, if he can continue to show some of the flash he showed in this game, I think he'll have a shot at it. It helps with Hayward back too. Uh, the the Browns note is interesting. I think I saw someone say Dewan might kick over to left tackle, but I don't know. That's a story for a different day. I also wanted to highlight one Alex Highsmith run defense snap as well. Um, there is it's fourth quarter. I don't have the timestamp. I've given out too many timestamps today, but it was a second down and intermediate on um, in the fourth quarter, probably 10 minutes to go or so in that range. Um, and he's, he's outside. There's like a tight end on the left side, but they end up ignoring him off the line because two pullers come across. Uh, I guess John Runyon had a bad game now that I keep talking about John Runyon, but he lowers his shoulder to John Runyon 
and just wins, like just head-to-head wins. And then I wouldn't say makes the tackle, but gets like an ankle grab on, I think this one was A.J. Dillon, and it does enough to slow him down where, you know, a couple guys come in and make the tackle. But if you go back and watch this, he is probably the reason why, again, it, it goes from third and four, I think it could have been first down or maybe third and third and one, because um, he just lowered the boom onto uh, John Runyon Jr. On the, on the pole. So he was awesome in, in the run game as well. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he he consistently, if you're pulling toward him, he is going to light your world up. There's no doubt about that. Um, I'm just looking right now, and I know we don't need to get set. Is Dewan Jones back this week? Do we know? Yeah, I'm not sure because he didn't play in this game, in this past yeah. game against Baltimore, which is also crazy that they were down there three tackles and and won that game. Um, They've been doing it all that, season, man. They're, they're tough. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That game yeah. was nuts. Um, yeah, like I, I think yet. he will be. Well, I'm not sure. I think you will be, though. Yeah, it seems like there's an insider story that I'm not going to pay for that Mary Kay Cabot posted that may give some insight as to whether Dewan Jones is back for this game. But, yeah, you don't want to go against the Steelers with Jerron Christian and James Hudson as your tackles. Let's just uh, leave it at that. You do not. Yeah, I mean, if Stefanski, if anybody can scheme around it, Stefanski probably can, but eh, I don't know if you want to live that way, especially I mean, with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. I was going to say, how many sacks? Will they have six sacks on Deshaun the first time? <laughs> I mean – just in general, Deshaun Watson's career against the Steelers has not been one that he would like to remember, I think, given how he's played against them. But yeah, let's yeah, see. Yeah, he I mean, invites sacks too. Like he's yeah. he's in that Russell Wilson type, you know, uh, not to be mean to Russ, who honestly looked like old Russ at times last night, but <laughs> couple, yeah, six sacks the first time. And then with the end of last year when they played Watson, I know he was more cooked than he looked this year, even, but uh, seven sacks in, uh, Week 18 against the Steelers. Um, like three of those were on the last drive of the game. He was just absolutely wild and out of pocket. So I do think that's one. I mean, that's going to be a key to that game, right? How he plays against Pittsburgh. And we'll get into all that another time. But uh, any other thoughts defensively in this game? I feel like we're pretty, we pretty much covered everything we want to cover at this point. So I think, think we're good. Yeah. No, good outing. Um, you know, room for improvement, yeah. but I think overall solid and a uh, couple big tests ahead. Yeah, the pass rush could have been probably a little bit better. Run defense was definitely good enough. Um, you know, I think you want to shore a few things up, but overall, pretty definitely good enough. And coverage, you know, you're trying to make the most of what you got against a team that has not thrown the ball well or had dangerous receivers all season. So, you know, considering all those things, yeah, I mean, five of eight on 20-plus air yard throws or more is definitely not great. Like, they've got some serious things to work on. Uh, blew a couple coverages. We're good enough in the red area, though, to get it done. It's not a Great process as a group with limitations on both sides of the ball, but there was enough standout defensive performances in this one that they could come away with the win. So good stuff. Uh, we'll be back at some point later this week. We're going to have to figure it out because I'm traveling a bit for work. This is the last time I have to travel for a while. And so this last week we'll be kind of figuring it out a little bit on the fly, and then we could settle back in our normal rhythms um, after this. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll figure out some time to get you all a preview out for this Browns game because that's going to be pretty fun one and a pretty big one. Steelers win. They go to 81% chance of making the playoffs. I think that's per ESPN's model. So sorry if PFFs is a little different, but we'll, we'll talk about that perhaps this week. <laughs> yeah, we'll debate it, so. playoff leverage models. Yeah. That's what everyone, that's what everyone tunes in for. for the right. in football podcast. <laughs> I know it doesn't mean that much, but I find myself like reading, wow, they win this game 81% chance. Like it's a huge, like, you know, getting, getting into it yeah. that way. So I enjoy yeah. it. All right. Until next time. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Yins No Ball podcast.